This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. This is a story about child soldiers, but they're not given a uniform and gun by an immoral government or rebel group. They're also not in some far-flung country. Instead, these weapon-yielding children are fighting for survival in Majola, a village in the Eastern Cape that's in the grip of a decades-long war. Derek Watts visited the region to find out more about a war you've probably never heard of. Children are often dragged into conflict, coerced into taking up arms. But this isn't Sudan or the war-torn Central African Republic. It's South Africa. These people, many teenagers or younger, are from a cluster of villages in rural Port St. John's in the Eastern Cape. Each night, they pack provisions and head into the surrounding mountains and forests. They're scared in search of safety. They're driven from their homes by a conflict that's been simmering for 50 years. What started as a stock theft dispute has descended into a war in which children are the main targets. Here, the innocence of childhood is gone. Youngsters expected to arm themselves in defense of their homes or to exact revenge. Foot soldiers in a war they didn't start, fought by two distinct groups. I just heard gunshots. Pilas Sunday Mashlu Toulouse is just 17, but already a veteran of this conflict. Reserved and softly spoken, he's also one of its many victims, shot 10 times. I live in fear. These people can arrive at any time, even when we are sleeping. Pilasande was shot when he and his family were attacked earlier this year. Some of his relatives, like his seven-year-old cousin, have died in this senseless war. It's this endless cycle of violence that pulls in younger generations. When we trek, I carry a machete on me. Once we reach the forests, we stand guard over the campsite for the night. I protect myself with the machete. Just in case someone attacks me, I can at least defend myself. It's common for the attackers to have once been childhood friends with their victims, some even closer than that. All this makes me feel bad, because some of the people who attack us are our relatives, and some are old friends we went to primary school with. Now they have become our enemies. Lisa Kanye is Pilasande's youngest sister. She wasn't home on the night he was shot, but she's worried the conflict will cost her her education. I don't feel well because... I don't feel well because I don't know if I should continue with school. Because this conflict doesn't seem like it will die down anytime soon. That doesn't sit well with me. I want to continue with school. I'm just a child. 
These children are taught to retaliate, to fight, and to kill. They're recruited to two groups, the attackers who are accused of stock theft and the retaliators who call themselves Masifonisani, those who help look. The teenage boys and young men are expected to pick sides and arm themselves with knives, pangas, and semi-automatic rifles. As we talk, the tension is palpable. People pay a heavy price for snitching here. The trauma conveyed to us by Pilisande and Lisakanya compelled us to visit the epicenter of this endless war in the cold light of day. The drive into the area known as Bajola is filled with breathtaking landscapes. There's a sense of tranquility here that comes from being close to nature. These villages are surrounded by a tea estate, a silence broken by chatter and laughter. There's little sign of the violence of the hundreds of lives lost or the childhoods destroyed. Until a closer look reveals the disturbing truth. Oh. Our visit begins with an audience with Chief Pupesi Majali. Presiding over Majola, some of the warring villages are under his authority. Chief, what is at the very basis of this, um, this war? these sporadic attacks. The reason behind these attacks is stock theft. That's what we believe. This is how the story was narrated to us. This started because of stock theft. But now, I feel bad that my people have to sleep in the forests and in the mountains. At just 29, Chief Bobezi has the unenviable task of trying to end a war that began before he was born. I'm extremely hurt. I'm hurt because all that is happening here is beyond my power. I'm still young to be living like this, worrying about matters to this extent. I must grow up now, involve myself in adult conversations like death. It's hard. Chief Bobezi takes us around the villages affected by the attacks. As we drive in, it's clear people are wary, on edge. This village is home to Pilasande and Lisa Kanya and their mother, Uyelwa Mashrutuluzi. She relives the horror of the attack that almost claimed her son. They stood by the door and just started shooting. They fatally shot my pregnant sister. We begged and apologized. They said this is a war and continued to shoot at us. Until that night, and unlike many other households, Buyelma's family chose to risk sleeping at home rather than in the forests or mountain. A choice that cost two lives and a lifetime of anguish. We leave at night to go sleep in the forests. We're scared to sleep at home. We haven't slept at home since the attack. We live in constant fear that we might get killed. We don't sleep indoors here. We sleep in the bush with the children. Buyelwood takes us into her home, pockmarked with the evidence of the violence unleashed that night. They shot at us. You can see the bullet holes. 
They shot my mother. They shot my pregnant sister in the abdomen. They shot my other sister in the back. They shot my nephew's head wide open. And my son Pelisande ten times in the leg and thigh. It's hard to imagine this life. It's five in the morning, you're sleeping peacefully. Suddenly the doors kick down, the windows are broken. All your prized possessions are just stolen and what is left is just rubble. I don't know how they cope. I really don't. A group of people came here in the early hours. We were woken up by the gunshots. The trauma is still real for Nobongile Ndaba Peli, as she vividly recalls an attack on her family home in August. As we made our way outside into the yard, we saw the houses were on fire. The village was burning down. As we ran, the bullets continued to follow us until we passed the last houses up on the hill. We could barely walk. We used walking sticks. Her husband suggested Nomongile, their seven children and grandchildren, and an elderly neighbor find another hiding spot. That was the last time she saw him. He's left me with so many children. I don't know how I'm going to raise them alone because he was so helpful. It breaks my heart. I can't bear it. It would be better if this whole thing comes to an end. We can't sleep in our own homes. Then, during our interview, a stark reminder that this is anything but rural tranquility. We just heard a couple of gunshots. Uh, the villagers are gathering their kids together, packing their possessions and literally heading for the hills. Fear descends on the village. The Mashla Toulouse family is preparing to leave. But there's a problem. Oyelwa's husband and her son Pilasande are out gathering livestock. Visibly worried, she decides to leave anyway. We could be surrounded at any minute. The nearest police station is an hour's drive away. It's no way to live, and yet the people we speak to in this beautiful, unforgiving corner of the Eastern Cape refuse to leave. Even though my life is at risk, I'd rather die here than to leave my people. We're not going anywhere. I cannot leave my husband and my children buried at the back of the house. I don't want to move. I will remain here. If it's fate that they kill me, then I will die here because I will not leave. Tonight, children and families will once again pack their belongings and flee into the mountains under the cover of darkness. So what needs to happen to restore peace in Majola? He is hoping authorities and various communities find some solution to this simmering war. Thanks for joining yet another episode of Carte Blanche, the podcast. Keep the conversation going online. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. 
Don't forget to rate and review us. Your feedback is always appreciated. And subscribe to our podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. 